The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Hour number two of a Sunday edition. Thank you for stopping by. For those of you on hold at 1-800-919-3776, just hang with me. I got a good friend and a man who does a tremendous job covering the New York Jets for the Associated Press. We affectionately called him when I was embedded with the Jets, and we spent a lot of time uh, in one floor in Park and, you know, various places around the country. And there's that place in upstate New York called Cortland. And we affectionately call him the Wizard because he is quick, he has stats, he does such a tremendous job. He is Dennis Wozak of the Associated Press. Hey, Dennis, how are you? I'm doing great, Larry. Hey, you know what? Ten years ago at this time, we were up in Cortland uh, dealing with uh, a shirtless Tim Tebow oh running through the, uh, <laughs> the fields oh of God. Cortland. So, so yeah, at least we're not dealing with that kind of thing this year. So, Who, who knew that we were watching the future punt protector of the New York Jets? <laughs> <laughs> not the future quarterback of the New York Jets. Who knew? Oh, man. What, oh, man. What a time, huh? What a time. It was something. It, it, it was much watched. It was must-watch Jets, even off the field. You just never knew. I, I was joking with some folks during that time. I, I was joking about how I, when I hear the ESPN, you know, after the ground pitches, I'm afraid to look at the phone because I'm concerned <laughs> if there was a, you know, a setback or something like that. That was yeah, the days yeah. covering the Jets. Like you didn't yeah. know what was, when your phone went off and there was a ring or something like that. You didn't know what your what your contacts were telling you, what your sources were telling you, what what the, what the police were telling you. You just didn't know what was going on there, Dennis. You didn't know. I mean, we ended up in courtrooms covering yeah, this team. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Hey, and and we kept each other sane. I mean, with, <laughs> without you, you know, forget it. Like we would, I. I I don't know. Like that's why I'm here now. I mean, I, I don't know how we would have gotten through it. <laughs> well, we, we should write a joint book one day. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, the there Ryan years. Tell. <laughs> Life with Rex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Dennis, last night was the Jets' green and white scrimmage, and we've had a lot of conversations about Zach Wilson and rightfully so I get that, but I'm going to start somewhere else than this. I want to start with the running backs because I get the feeling from all I've read uh, from you and Rich Cimini and other guys and, and gals who do a great job in covering the jets. I'm, I'm sensing that not to say it's ground and pound, but it's going to be a heavy emphasis on the run game to try to take a little more of this offensive pressure off Zach Wilson this season. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think, once they got Brees Hall in the second round, that was kind of a signal that, you know, they're, they're trying to beef up this running game and, and have a sort of an attack that, that the 49ers used for you know, several years while Robert Sala was there um, and Michael Floor, just kind of bringing in guys, rotating in guys who brought different elements to the offense. And, you know, a guy who can catch, a guy who can pound it, a guy who, who could do everything – and I think that's what you're seeing this offense get. Now, Michael Carter had a, a very solid rookie season last year. Um, he showed he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He showed he, he's got some shiftiness. He's got some speed. But Brees Hall is a bruiser and a fast guy, a power back, a guy who I think the Jets see as a number one type running back. And that's not to say Michael Carter won't play a lot, but I think they will complement each other. And then you throw in a guy like Tevin Coleman, who's a veteran who's been around. Uh, you could have uh, really a three headed attack 
um, in that backfield behind uh, Zach Wilson to really give him some outlets and, and some a chance to kind of open that offense up. And I, I think really Brees Hall is a very promising rookie, a, a guy who, who's going to touch the ball a lot in this offense. Speaking of something that would really help Zach Wilson, and that would be the tight end play. And the Jets went out and got two tight ends, uh, which is, Dennis, that's a position that they really struggled at for the past couple of years. Yeah, I mean, when's the last time? You know what? The, the last time there was a consistent threat, uh, a cast, uh, pass-catching threat at tight end was back in our days together. Dustin Keller was, mm-hmm. was in that offense and leading the team in receptions. And I think it's kind of been an overlooked or undervalued position in the offenses that have been run in the Jets over the last you know 10 years or so. But now there's definite focus. And I think C.J. Uzama is one guy. He's a veteran. You know what he can do. I think Tyler Conklin is might be an even bigger signing. And what we've seen so far through the training camp, the offseason training camp, and, and even last night at the scrimmage, Tyler Conklin and Zach Wilson have a very good rapport going here. And mm-hmm. I, I think if you're a fantasy football player, I think that's a tight end, a sleeper pick that you might want to throw in there because I think he's going to be really involved in this in this offense here. And and they drafted Jeremy Ruckert out of Ohio State in the third round. A big his dad's a big Jets fan. <laughs> Loves the fact that his son's playing for the Jets. I think he's going to get into that rotation too. So yeah, I mean who who knew? You know, oh, tight ends can catch balls. You know, that's <laughs> we haven't seen that a lot. And I think you will now because that just like we were talking about the running backs. I think now the tight ends will serve as, you know, security blankets for Zach Wilson. Guys who, okay, nothing's developing downfield, boom, he can get it out to Uzama, he can get it out to Conklin, um, you know, just kind of dump it off to one of the running backs. I think that's the type of offense that you're seeing being developed around Zach Wilson, and I think that will help him tremendously. And those are the two positions, really, that will, you know, just kind of turn this thing around uh, for Zach Wilson and the offense. Look at Dennis. Look at Dennis Wise. They're giving out fantasy advice too. Boy, I'm telling you, <laughs> it's the Larry Hardesty show. I'm a man of the people. You know? Yes, you are. You always have been. <laughs> You're on 9870 ESPN talking with Dennis Wyzak of the AP. Dennis, everybody's been talking about this this offensive line, right? It's been it's been really one of the major stories. Uh, Makai Becton, left side to right side, and you know Lincoln, Lincoln Tomlinson, what he's able to bring to the table, and Fant on the left tackle. Um, I'm, I want to get your thoughts. How has this this offensive line synergy been together? Because you remember we used to every time we talked to a Nick Mango back in the day, what did he used to say? It's like it's like a fist, right? The offensive line is like a fist. You know, we all have to work together. We all have to think together. So, give me your overall view of the offensive line, and tell me about the center because I I'm not sure about that center position, Dennis. Well, I, I think I think now he's worked with Zach uh, to to kind of develop that, that center quarterback type uh, relationship. I, I think that's solid. Um, maybe he's one of the weaker links on that line at this point, but I, I think he's solid enough. But um, what you're going to need is to have those tackles and guards really be locked in. And I think right now they're still working on that because Makai Becton, you know, he's coming off the knee injury. He's been able to push through all the practices. He, uh, he, he was on what Robert Sala called a pitch count last night. So uh, he didn't play uh, practice toward the end. 
Um, but but he's looking okay. You know, he's he's looking pretty good at at right tackle, switching over to that side. Uh, George Fant has also been on a pitch count because he's coming back from arthroscopic surgery. So, uh, you know, those are the two tackles that, you know, one's playing a new position and the other is kind of easing back into it. Um, so you, you don't have the full uh, work yet with those five guys. I think Elijah Vera Tucker moving from the left side to right guard will be fine. I think he's he's going to be a star. I think he's just a solid guard. You know, I think he he's going to be a good one. And then Lakin Tomlinson's a pro bowler, and you, you move him to the left side. You have him plug him into the left side. So I think on paper, all things being equal, I think this is the best offensive line the Jets have had in a long time, and maybe since those days with Mangol and Brickashaw and Brandon Moore and those guys, and Damian Woody and Danica. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're not that level, but I think that really is the key to all of this. You know, we were talking about the quarterback and the running back, the tight ends, even the wide receivers that offensive line needs to gel quickly. And I think you'll see as the preseason games come, we can really get a read on, on the kind of just them gelling. And if this works, but I think they really do believe they've got a good offensive line there. All right, Dennis, I'm going to ask you to look into your crystal ball for me. Now Uh, last night, Zach Wilson had a pretty good night, but some receivers had some drops on him. All right. So help me through this. Now, is it, on the receiver that didn't get the drop, is it the receiver that didn't catch the ball? Maybe they didn't run their right their route precise enough, or is it Zach Wilson didn't throw the ball in the right position? Because that's always the question that you have to sit back and watch when you see that, when you know that receivers drop passes when a lot of times they normally don't. Yeah, I think I think last night um, it was more on the receivers, believe it or not. I think mm-hmm. the there was a pass to Corey Davis that hit him in the chest. We were on the sideline and you heard the pop and you knew, like, oh man, because he's had some drop issues over the past couple of years and kind of the crowd grown because they've seen this before. Um, he's got to catch that. You know, there are a couple of other passes, um, you know, that, that hit their hands. And those are, those are the type of plays. Even Robert Sala said, you know, I'm not trying to make excuses, but you get to the stadium, you have the field, the depth perception is a little different. You got to get used to that again and all of that. But, they're professionals, you know, so they need to catch that. And I, I think he would have had at least two of those, com- two more completions than he did uh, last night. And, you know, I think he was 12 of 19 unofficially. You know, I, I don't really like counting passing stats and practices, but um, just the other day he was eight of eight. That's significant, you know, that he was perfect at team drills. Yesterday, last night, he was accurate. And I think what a big point what we're seeing here is he's more accurate and he's more decisive with his decision making and that's what they wanted to see is a perfect far from it but you're seeing some progression there um some people want joe flacco to play you know it's like joe flacco they they could win with him he's smooth he's a veteran you know what you're getting in flacco he's looked good for the most part in training camp zach wilson is still progressing and you're seeing those things and i think he's still getting on the same page with those receivers so that the drops won't be there as often and that the routes will be crisper and he'll know where they're going they'll know where the ball is going so that's what this time is for you know that's what they're practicing for nine practices in a camp so i expect that to get better this just in, Joe Flacco is not going to – if Joe Flacco starts, there's a big problem. <laughs> it's a it's major, problem. Major, major problem. Major problem. Yes. 
<laughs> yeah, we'll be talking in a few months about uh, will there be a new quarterback? Will there be a yeah. new coach? Will be there a new, new GM? GM? What's going to happen? <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, if he if if Blacko started, then that means there's an injury or something is very wrong. So we don't yep. want to see that. Let's go on the other side of the ball, Dennis. Um, Ahmad Sauce Gardner. I saw where Carl Lawson said, "Well, he's he's Ahmad until he, <laughs> he he's got to earn Sauce." Uh, how has he looked, and and what what is what do you think his influence and impact is going to be on that secondary? Well, the interesting thing is I've had a few people like on Twitter or social media say, hey, you know, I haven't heard much from him. That's a good thing. You know, that's yeah. a good thing. You haven't heard because in practice, if you're mentioning how he's kind of getting beat on, you know, on a play, that's not a good thing. I think what we saw last night is that he handled himself in one-on-one coverage. And, man, that's key. If you could get a guy who can consistently match up with a wide receiver, deep, short, whatever. I mean, that that's – man, that helps that diva. We saw it for years with Revis, and now they finally might have a guy who – I don't want to compare him to that, but a guy who can really compete in those one-on-one, one-on-one matchups, and, and I think that's a positive. I, I think he talks a lot of trash, and they <laughs> – Robert Sala is surprised at how much he can talk, but he, he's been backing it up through practice and everything. We'll see when the games start, but I think this guy has so much confidence and swagger um, that, I mean, he's not afraid. And that's the one thing. When we saw Darrell Revis in his prime, he wasn't afraid of anybody. He would go up against any wide receiver and shut him down. And I think this kid has that right mindset. And now he's just got to actually do it, you know. And I think the Jets really believe that he can have that type of impact on that defense. I think he will help in that secondary. DJ Reed was signed as a free agent to be that number one corner, which is fine. But I think this kid could end up being that number one corner. He's He's been competing in camp with Bryce Hall and Salah said, you know, he's, he's got to win this job from Bryce Hall. Bryce Hall's had a solid camp, but I think there's no doubt in my mind that Sauce Gardner will be out on that field in that uh, defensive backfield um, in week one. He's He's got talent. He's got all the physical attributes you want in a shutdown cornerback, and uh, I think Jets fans have good reason to be excited about this kid. Well, I'll say this, just from what I'm hearing and reading about the depth of this defensive line and the and with Carl Lawson back and if he's able to give you anything and you know how this how how the defensive line maybe gets some pressure on the quarterback, which would be something that consistently which has been something that they've been lacking for a while. That's going to make that secondary's job a lot easier. 100%. And I think they used to hear it from from even Eric Mangini and Todd Bowles and Rex about how the front end and the back end work together. And, you know, if the, if the corners and the safeties are shutting down that, you know, deep, it gives the front more time to rush the passer. And I think that's what you're looking for here. And let's face it, last year they were the worst defense in the NFL. They were 32nd in, you know, overall defense and yards, and they were near the bottom in several other categories. And it just you couldn't imagine that they could take – this big a leap this season, but I think they can because of that. They've, they've read it, you know, redid that secondary of drafting Gardner and bringing in Reed and also Jordan Whitehead at safety is go is a huge addition. They, they've talked about how 
much of an influence he's had in his like pre-snap reads and and all that kind of stuff and just kind of helping that back end. They've got 17 guys on the defensive line in camp. And when you run down the list, it's hard to kind of take some of those guys out that you would think, okay, he's getting cut, he's getting cut. And even Salah has said, you know, we're going to be getting rid of NFL players at that position. And I think they need to find that right mix up front. You know, Quinn and Williams and Carl Lawson and John Franklin Myers and they brought in Jacob Martin and Solomon Thomas. They drafted Jermaine Johnson in the first round. They've got talent, and all those guys can rush the passer. I think the one thing that they're going to have to find is a guy who can consistently plug that middle, a Steve McClendon type guy, a mm. Chris Jenkins to throw it back, a guy like that, uh, Snacks Harrison, a guy who, could, who can just kind of you know stand there and stuff the run and just kind of do that. I think that's kind of what they're searching for, but – I mean, that with, if that secondary is working, there are going to be guys flying off the edge. Carl Lawson right at the front. But Jacob Martin has also had a really good camp, and I think they're going to put pressure on a quarterback consistently if that all works. they got to be able to stop the run, Dennis. And even Salah admitted there yep. was a three-game stretch last season. And, and I think of the Indianapolis game where I think you and I could have – there were some holes that you and I could have ran through <laughs> side by side, and, and they just didn't stop them. It, you know, and that's not – Listen, the Jets have struggled. There's no question about it, and nobody's trying to sugarcoat anything, but they've not been that bad against the run in a long time. Right, right, and I think that's that's the thing. Now, if that if that outside pressure forces the, the runs to go inside and that secondary is, is working the way you know we're talking about here, well, they're going to need that guy inside to kind of stuff things, and you know maybe, maybe that's Nathan Shepard, maybe that's uh, – a draft pick from last year, Jonathan Marshall. They need that one guy to be in there. And here's the other thing. When you talk about the, the, the run game, the opposing run game, hitting those outside corner edges and, and running, the one thing that they have done at the linebacker spot with Mosley slimming down and Quincy Williams being there and Quan Alexander bringing him in, they've got – fast athletic guys all of a sudden who run sideline to sideline and that's really if a guy gets past that initial front that they've got a guy who can like close in fast and get from from one end to the other so I think that's that's all part of the formula here so um, I I think those fast linebackers are going to play a key and that's also why he's got so many safeties turn linebackers in his defense guys who can hit guys who can run guys who have sideline to sideline type ability and they drafted two last year and, and they, uh, they uh, converted another guy, Kai Nakua to, to uh, linebacker from safety speed, 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 speed is going to be key in the middle of that defensive linebacker. And it's going to help with that run defense. Last thing, Dennis, and we'll let's take a quick look at the schedule. This is for about six games, this is a brutal schedule for the Jets. I mean, you start out – I mean, you could see – I mean, Baltimore is tough. You're going to start with a physical physical defense, even though Wake Martindale's not there. He's with the Giants. You know, Baltimore, I don't care who the, who the D.C. is, they always play physical. Uh, you're looking at the – so after those four games, Dennis, you're looking at Green Bay and New England twice and uh, Denver. I mean, you're looking at a, a stretch where – even if they start, even if they win two and two in the first four, then the state could end up two and six, two and seven going into the bye week and get New England coming out of the bye. Yeah, and that's that's the danger here. That's and that's the one thing where perspective is going to have to 
kind of be kept and just kind of dealing with the reality are they getting beat or are they getting beat down, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that's what you're going to have to see. And I think if Zach Wilson can play a lot better and show promise in a close loss or that kind of, where they're not getting blown out, where the games aren't, okay, that's, that's a positive. You want wins, obviously. And I think it's hard to say after the stretch that the Jets have had over the last few years that you know, they'll take, you know, a five and 12 season. Like, no, nobody, nobody wants that. You know, I think they want to try to get near 500 at the very least seven, you know, seven and 10, you know, eight and nine, that kind of thing where it's like, okay, at least they're kind of in the mix for a wild card that, that, like you said, that start of the schedule is brutal. And I, I think it's hard to expect them to be, four and oh after playing the AFC North to start off the schedule, you know, I, I it's it's tough. But um if they do manage to get some of those wins, then you know, okay, there's something brewing here. And I think that's the hope, that's the optimism that the Jets have right now. Um and it really will depend on, you know, hey, can the quarterback rise above it? Can he not now last year they were trying to do things to help raise him and they did things in the off season to help him improve. Well, now can he take steps this year to bring the team up himself? You know, they say they don't want that, but there are going to be games where he's going to have to take over. And I think that's what you're looking for in year two with Zach Wilson, a quarterback who can win you some games with his own talent and just kind of rise above these opponents that are going to be tough. As always, he does a great job. He's Dennis Wozak of the Associated Press. He's also a great follow on Twitter. What's your handle, my friend? It is D-W-A-Z, D-W-A-Z 73. And he's a Met fan. That makes him also a great fan, a great person. <laughs> Let's go Mets, Dennis. Talk to you soon, my friend. Thanks for a couple of minutes. You got it, Larry. Anytime, man. Take care. All right. Talk soon. Regards to the family. Dennis Wozak, give us some thoughts on the Jets. <laughs> The Larry Hardesty Show on 987 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Had fun chatting with Dennis Wozniak of the AP. Does a very nice job on the Jets. All right, what did you think about what he had to say? I'll wait a second, but I want to hear from you first. Artie's in Brooklyn. What's up, Artie? Hey, Larry. Thanks for taking the call. You know, listening to your interview, I felt like I was sitting there. I went to the game, the practice yesterday. And, you know, like, you take the kids and stuff like that, and they're like, there's no fan crowd. You're just watching basically what's going on. And my my, my my son's going like, why are you getting so upset? I said, he threw the ball. He had the guy wide open. He missed him. So it's like little things like that. I'm not asking Wilson to be perfect. But he did throw a pick, which was like he threw it right into like a, a you know the, the linebacker like that. And then he did have drops. And then he was running a lot. And I'm like, we're not going to win with this guy running. I know you have to run sometimes to avoid the pressure, but it seemed like that was too much of his option. It's either the receivers weren't getting open, and I'm telling you right now, thank God we signed Berrios because that's his Corbett. That's his safety. Mm -hmm. And then the tight ends also. I mean, they are beasts compared to like what. And then the last thing is, is that I still think that you you notice um, Sauce right away, Garner. And he was doing those cornerback drills. I said, I think he's the best receiver on the team. That dude looked just like Altoon. I'm telling you right now, he purposely wore the short shorts. 
he had those thoroughbreds. <laughs> like he, could, he could run so smooth, okay? But I'll tell you right now, I would not put him on, a, on a, like a speedy short, like an Edelman type. He's not covering Edelman. That dude is never going to get beat long down the sidelines. He's not getting beat on fades. My question is, when they run to his side, I, I, I understand he's going to get bigger and stronger and stuff like that. I don't think that that's part of his game. So, I don't, to me, he's like a Deion Sanders type more than a Revis type. I just wanted to get your point. And the last thing is, Zerline missed a 39-yarder, and then he kicked a 55-yarder during the green and white scrimmage. I think he's our kicker. And it was encouraging to see that he could still kick it from 55 yeah. yards out. All right, hey, man. Thanks for taking the call. I appreciate it. All right, Artie. Thanks for the phone call. Could, could, could the Jets have a consistent kicker? That's all I'm asking. Could they have a consistent kicker? Could you? Could you? It's the Larry Hardesty Show on the Sunday on 98.7 ESPN. Thanks for stopping by at 1-800-919-3776. Talk a little Jets football right now. We'll turn our attention to, uh, we'll go back to some baseball next hour. Talk a little Yankees, talk a little Mets. And we'll also, we also hear from uh, my good friend uh, Ian Begley from SNY, the inside about what's going on with the, a possible, some possible movement for Kevin Durant. Hmm. So we got a lot to do before we leave you at 3 o'clock today. Ira's in Staten Island. What's up, Ira? Hey, Larry, what's happening? Nice uh, nice conversation with Dennis. Very good, insightful stuff to listen to. <clears throat> and you brought up some really good points. And, you know, you were, uh, well, let's get to the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. A guy that pops up every day and makes plays is this guy, Tim Ward, mm. defensive lineman. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's a numbers game. And you know what? There's going to guys get cut from this team that are going to get picked up by other teams and actually contribute. Because yeah. that's how well Douglas has put this roster together. And, you know, I, I heard what you asked him about the drops. Listen, you know, to me, when a ball hits a receiver in the hands, whether it's behind him or not, they got to hold on to it. You know, a couple of his passes were behind, but it doesn't matter. He, he, he managed the scrimmage very nicely last night for what it's worth. Mm-hmm. And for Artie's worried about him running, to me, I thought that as a positive because I would rather him, if there's a lane, run and get five, ten yards that start backpedaling and look like he did last year. So to me, that's progress. I'm curious what you think. Well, I'll say this, Ira, and, and there's always a concern when you have your, your quarterback, and yes, he's bulked up a little bit, so, so you, you feel a little bit more confident. I just think from Artie's standpoint, he's kind of echoing what Salah said last year, right, which is, okay, I guess the, to paraphrase it, to paraphrase Salah, if you're going to run, run when you have to. Don't run just because you want to run. And you, and you get concerned, Ira, because you listen to him, Wilson. He's like, well, you know, I love you. I'm, I'm great at the off-schedule off, off plays. And I'm doing this. And it almost sounds like I want to run. <laughs> I want to move out of the pocket. I don't want to sit back there. I want to run. And so you just get concerned that running in his mind is more of the first. It's like 1-1-A one, one when it really should be 1-2. to two. Look for your – I mean, it's the West Coast offense, Ira. Normally they put your two – you know where your two guys are. They're either open or they're not, then throw it away or run. But I just think from Artie's standpoint, maybe he ran a little bit too much, but I just think that that was the concern there. Listen, you just want to make sure if he's managing the game and cutting down on turnovers, Ira, that's what you want from your young quarterback. You'll take it. You'll take it. You just don't want him to, as you said, said, just drop back and underestimate the speed of these rushers just because they're big and and end up, instead of gaining two, losing ten. 
No, if, if he manages games, Larry, and cuts down on his mistakes, I'm, I'm, and they stay healthy, I, I'm guaranteeing you that this is a 7-8 win team. I, I, I really believe that this roster is, is that good. And, it, and you know what? Defensively, I think the secondary looks amazing. It might be the best secondary since the Revis days with, with wow. Cromartie and Revis. Wow. Uh, the secondary looks really, really good. It really <laughs> does. I, I, I'd be really shocked if this is not a top 15 defense. All right, so let me ask you this then. You heard me ask Dennis about that schedule. I mean, the first four are reasonable. I mean, you, if, if you went two and two in that first four, you'd be okay. All right, but the next six, Ira, those are tough. I mean, Denver. No, no they Bay. are tough. Especially. Ooh. No, I, I get it back to back. You have Green Bay on the road in Denver. Listen, if you get to the bye at three and six, four and five, to me, that's a success because you got very winnable games at the end of the year. So I'm going to try to be realistic. But, I mean, Larry, to tell me if I'm wrong, with Trubisky and, and uh, what's his name, uh, Brissett over in Cleveland, mm-hmm. those are not winnable games? Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. You, you, Ira, with this team, you should at least – the worst you should be in those first four is two and two. The worst. Thank you. The that's worst you that, should be. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, the that's worst you should be. That's how I feel be. about it. I mean, you know, you, you right. don't know what you're facing with Baltimore because that physical defense, you know how they are. As you mentioned, you got Brissett. That's a win, even though, you know, we hope the offensive line can deal with Miles Garrett, but you know what you have with Cleveland and Pittsburgh. You're right. You should be able to do some things to confuse them, and, and he got a win, although you know how this kick and field goes in that place. Uh, but, of course. <laughs> but, yeah, you, the worst you should be is two and two. So, no, I think they'll start out, which is which would be nice, right, to get the Jets to start out with some wins. I think they'll start out with wins. It's that middle spot that you're talking about. But, listen, this is scary to say. At th- if I were a Jet fan, I, I would sign up for three and six right now. <laughs> of of oh, those yeah, nine, yeah, I would give me three and six. I'll take it. I'll take it. Because yeah, yeah. then coming out yeah, of the bye week, I know I got New England, but then I got some other places I can go. And get some wins. They get to three and six. They get to get me pushing five hundred. That's how I look at it. All right, Ira. Thanks for the phone call, my friend. Always good hearing from you and talking to you. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Let me finish off with um, finish off my the thoughts with uh, Artie. And Artie, you heard what I so I kind of answered your question going back and forth with Ira about the quarterback spot. So I, I get what you're saying. I understand. Um, Gardner is going to be interesting and. I think what is his role going to be as far as run support? I'm not sure, but you heard Dennis mention how from sideline to sideline, you've got your linebackers. So I think that's going to be more of a safety linebacker issue uh, as far as dealing with him. And I do think, and I know that he is going to be tested and tested a lot. And as Chris Canty mentioned, when we spoke on Friday night, part of uh, Canty and Carlin on ESPN Network, is, you know, the double moves and some of the other quick moves that receivers make that's going to test him. So if he survives that test and wearing number one, as Canty mentioned, he's, he's got a, you know, he's got a, he's got a, 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 a big target on his back. Uh, if he's able to handle that pressure, that's going to be great. That's going to be great. That's when you'll find out about him. And listen, not comparing him, but even Darrell Rivas in the first year had some issues. Okay, you could see that he was going to be good, but even he had some issues. I remember Kerry Rhodes. Remember Kerry Rhodes, the actor now, Kerry Rhodes? 
who was the safety at that time, saying, you know, he's going to be good because you could see his his the way he studied, the way he played receivers, how he angled them and cut them off and did certain things to make it to his advantage. And so if he can look at that type of video and see how Darrell Revis, and listen, if I were him, I'd be calling Darrell Revis and saying, listen, man, you know, give me some pointers, man. Can can I come work with you? Can you come work with me? Can I come watch watch video with you? Because the key to success for both Revis and Cromartie in the secondary of those teams was their film preparation. Both of them did an outstanding job at video and film preparation on their opponents and their skill sets. Okay. That was the key to success for them. That's what gave them the confidence that they could play the spot they played. And yes, Revis was more shut down than Cromartie was, but both of them were, you couldn't have a better combination in the secondary. All right. And if Sauce Gardner wants to take that next step, that's what he's got to do. 1-800-919-3776. Also hit me up on Twitter at Hardesty ESPN at ESPNNY 98 underscore 7FM. Talk a little Jets, talk a little baseball. We'll continue that conversation. We'll add some basketball in too until we leave you at 3 o'clock. Anthony's in Harlem. What's up, Ant? Hey, Larry. Thank you for taking my call. What a, what a privilege it is to follow Artie in Brooklyn and Ira to talk to Larry Hardesty on, on a Sunday with the Jets, man. Thank you, Anthony. I appreciate that. And we got some good callers here, don't we? Yes, well, I just wanted to weigh in for Hardy. Um, if you have any question about Sauce Gardner's tackling, you can watch his college tape. He was a hell of a tackler in college and a good blitzer. So uh, I don't think that's going to be an issue for him. I, I think I'm really high on him, dude. I think he's going to be one of the best corners in the NFL. I don't think he's going to be you have to play in the slot against little fast guys. He's a guy you put on the boundary, and he shuts down half of the field. Um, I'm really excited about that pick, and I'm excited about the team. You know, I – I love what I, when you said, like, you know, by week four, I'm not super high on Kenny Pickett or Mr. Trubisky and Jacoby Brissett. And then you get to week five when they play Miami and MetLife. You know, new coach in Miami, you know, Tua, I don't know. Is that such a great situation? Why can't we be doing it after week five, Larry? I just wanted your thoughts. Well, you could be, Anthony. Thanks for the phone call. You could be. And, and that's what you want. That's what you want to see as far as your team making progress, right? Usually, you split with Miami, usually. All right? Now, listen. Sauce Garden is going to be tested in that game, as will the secondary, because Tyreek Hill is, an, is a world-class speed receiver. World-class. All right? And you rely on Salah and, and Ulbrich and the defensive group to come up with a game plan that's going to kind of, you know, take him away, where he's not the guy that beats you, where if, if somebody else is going to beat you, it's not going to be him. And you got to find a way to put some pressure on Tua. There's no question about it. All right. So yeah, th- that's what that is part of the difference with this team. That you that you even in the losses. Here, here's how you want to look at the season. You want to look at the season as trying to find a way, if there's any way, to try to find a way for you to split. Split, with every team in your division. Okay, including Buffalo, and that's going to be hard. But you might get lucky and find a way to split with them. So that's your goal. You want to obviously you want to win all the games in your division. But if you settle for a split in your division, okay, where you at least are are win at home 
and are competitive on the road. And when you face Denver and Green Bay, you may lose because they have more talent. Okay? But if you're competitive, it's not a blowout. It's not 42-8 at the end of the third quarter. And with shoes and lions are on the station here trying to figure out what they're going to talk about during the fourth quarter. Okay? That's not what you want. You want to show that you're in these games. It's competitive. You, you've got a shot in the fourth quarter. And then the better team just makes the plays in the fourth quarter and or it's a key turnover, something of that nature, and you lose the game. That's where you want to see the improvement. And maybe you steal a game from some from a team that you're not supposed to win. Because remember, we're basing these these comments on the teams that we've seen last year. But you don't know what happens when you play them. They might have a key injury. They might have somebody out. They might they might be a different circumstance. You might be a hot ball club. <laughs> you might be a better team than what we're thinking you're going to be. So there's a lot of different things that go on, right? So that's the part that you, you, you're hoping for. But, yes, to answer your question, of course you should be able to think out of the first five games that you could win three. Heck, think about winning four of the first five. Okay? Who says you can't? Who says you can't win four of the first five? Who says you 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 get a a Baltimore team, all right? That's, uh, you know, because it's the first game, you may get them when they're not ready. You may steal a win, at home. It's possible. There's no question about it. It is possible, right? So that's how I would look at it if I were a Jet fan right now. And yes, the team is better, and the offense is better, and the defense is better. On paper, let's see what it looks like when we start for real. Time for Diamond Notes brought to you by Two by London, the engagement shop at London Jewelers. So we talked about it earlier. It is a situation with the Mets at 410 today. They will have an opportunity to uh, go for four of five against the Atlanta Braves. And here's their lineup. We got Brandon Nimmo leading off in center. Starling Marte in right batting second. Francisco Lindor shortstop hitting third. Peter Alonso hitting cleanup playing first. Daniel Vogelbach at the DH who's played very well, batting fifth. Jeff McNeil at second base, hitting sixth. Jeff Connors in right field, batting seventh. Uh, Luis Gourmet is at third base, batting eighth. And Thomas Nito is catching, batting ninth. And, of course, the pitcher on the mound is the ace, the two-time Cy Young Award winner, Jacob DeGrom. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens there. Also, Yankees and Cardinals will get underway at 2.15. And... When we talk about the Yankees, they're going through some tough times right now. Okay? And and most of that is the offense. Okay? The Yankees have just four hits over their last 12 innings. The Yankees have four hits over their last 12 innings. Yes, part of it has been good pitching. Yes, part of it has been no Stanton. And then no Anthony Rizzo for a couple of games with lower back tightness. So you've got injuries. You've got a situation where the team is not hitting. And now with less protection in the lineup, I'm definitely not giving Aaron Judge anything to hit. He, if he's going to hit, I, my job is to keep him in the ballpark. I give him single, double, I even give him a triple. I'm not giving him a home run. Okay? I'm not doing it. Because what that does is not only does it, I mean, does it kickstart their offense, it gives them – I mean, he's had a tremendous year. But if I can keep him from hitting home runs and keeping him from, from powering that offense, <clears throat> excuse me, I'll take my chances. 
Because as I said earlier, hey, listen, that lineup is not exactly the longest lineup offensively in Major League Baseball right now. It's struggling a little bit. And the bottom is struggling. And they really need Benintende to get going. Now, he's done some walks. He's, he's had a couple of hits here and there. Okay, but this is not who they signed. This is not who they traded for. They traded for a guy who was hitting over 300, and he's not got it done here. And I, all due respect to St. Louis and the pitching staff, but listen, Jordan Montgomery was not exactly shutting people out when he was here with the Yankees. He was giving you a good effort. I'm not trying to disparage him, but he was a guy that couldn't finish off hitters. He was a guy that would, would go 3-2 and – Hitters would keep fouling pitches off and fouling pitches off and fouling pitches off until they got what they wanted. He was a guy who had one bad inning and had trouble managing the damage in that one inning. And he shut you out for five innings yesterday. And obviously there was extra incentive. I get it. He was very happy to see his former team. I'm going to show you what we can do. He talked about the <laughs> the humidity and he cramped up and everything, and that's why he left after five. But even after that scenario, you couldn't find a way to get to the bullpen? Of St. Louis? Solid team. But, I mean, come on. They've dominated you in the bullpen. Dominated. And so, that's where the Yankees are struggling. Yes, we understand about the pitching issues they've got in the starting rotation. Yes, we understand about concerns in the bullpen. Absolutely. But this Yankee team, even with those guys out, for me, should be able to find a way to at least get two runs. They need this win tonight. All right, now, I believe, am I concerned about the Yankees? Uh, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit. But uh, I believe that when they're, when they're better, when everybody gets back, as long as I was telling Tom Bauer, as long as they can hold on, they've got a big enough lead in the division. I know temp, I know Toronto's rumbling a little bit. But you still have a double-digit lead in your division. As long as you hold on to that till the troops get back and you start in September and roll through, build some momentum going into the postseason, I think you'll be okay. I think you'll be okay offensively. I think you're, if you're if Gary Cole can get on track late, late in April, in August, moving into September, I think he'll be okay. And I think you'll solidify yourself and build up momentum going into the postseason. That's Diamond Notes, brought to you by the Two by London, the engagement shop by London Jewelers. Pico designed the perfect engagement ring to fit every budget at any of their six area locations. 1-800-919-3776. Ryan's in the Big Apple. What's up, Ryan? Hey, what's going on? Um, so my question for you is, if the Yankees were headed into the World Series, would you rather play a fully healthy New York Mets or a full, fully healthy L.A. Dodgers? This is assuming you're the Yankees. Um, that's an interesting question, Ryan. Thanks for the phone call. I think if I were a fully healthy New York Yankees, um, first of all, I wouldn't care who I played, but judging from how, <laughs> judging from previous comments from people, I would say they would rather play the Dodgers because if they ended up losing to the Mets, I just, I, I just think it's, it's, it's. It's losing to – they don't want to lose to the Mets. That's just that's just my opinion of it as a Mets fan, looking at it as a Mets fan. I just think they would rather face the Dodgers and face them than to face the Mets. Now, it would be a lot of fun to have a Subway Series again. The rest of the country wouldn't care. <laughs> we know that. <laughs> they wouldn't care. 
but it would be it would be interesting here.